business ourselves. They're coming. It can't be. Where is everyone? Hello, survivors. Welcome back to the Apocalypse Postcast. I'm your host, Makeshift. And today, we're going to do a deep dive on some long-standing wasteland lore. Now, I know I promised. I didn't promise. I just said that Legends of Wasteland City would be starting today. But we're going to take one more week so I can put a couple uh, little polishing notes on it. So hopefully that'll start next time. In the meantime, though, I got lucky enough that a couple Wastelanders just so happened to be hanging out today and happened to be available and reached out to me and said, hey, let's do an episode because I'm actually having them do a couple voices for Legends of Wasteland City. And so they were going to jump in the studio anyway. And uh, they said, hey, we're going to get set up anyway. Let's do a thing. What do you want to talk about? And you know what it came down to? I thought, let's talk about Wasteland lore because they have one of these stories that goes back a long time and a lot of tribes were involved in it and so we're gonna do an episode kind of like wastelander stories except this one rather than everyone having their own story we're gonna have three characters all three characters three people three wastelanders all talking about the exact same event and seeing it from different perspectives and what it means to their tribe so i think we've got a really good show together for you. Now, lore at Wasteland Weekend serves as backstories for the tribes to help them create a fuller, more uh, rounded out event. It helps things to become more immersive as the lore gets out there and people are telling the same story from different perspectives, whether it's from their own tribe or having witnessed stuff that happened. Like these lores, they keep going and it just makes everything that much more interesting. And so, my guests today. I once again have the false prophet Tim Cottage joining us, representing the Attack Squad. Back for the second time on the show, we've got both the Baron of the Skullduggers and Critical Bigs of the Rust Devils. These are three Main Street tribes that all happen to be in Undertown, right across the street from the Dukes of the Nuke. So today we're basically representing four tribes that all have history at the Battle of Fifth Street, and I have no idea what it was because I don't think Makeshift was involved in the Battle of Fifth Street. I have no memory of this event at all. Which means I was probably out on a separate mission of some sort, because I've heard about the Battle of Fifth Street, and I know it even has some backstory for the Dukes of the Nuke, but I have no idea what it's been about. I've For years, I've heard about this epic Battle of Fifth Street and just never bothered to ask what it was. And this is going to be really exciting, because if you've heard about the Battle of Fifth Street, that's if you happen to go to Wasteland Weekend and get involved in things, you may know it as this epic battle that shaped a lot of what's happening on Main Street in Wasteland City. But if you haven't heard about it, we're going to find out all about it today. This is some lore that's been going on for just shy of a decade now. And I think it's about time we found out what happened in this infamous post-apocalypse battle that has shaped Wasteland Weekend for years and will continue to for years to come. Now, when we're talking about Wasteland lore, there's a lot of different ways that you can shape your own lore. You can have your own personal backstory and write it however you want. A lot of the characters at Wasteland Weekend do have a backstory. A lot of tribes have a group backstory, and a lot of tribes will have lore between tribes, whether it's battles won and lost, or deals made, or when characters shift between alliances. And all the role-playing that happens in real time at the event becomes lasting lore as people tell the story throughout the weekend and beyond, and new relationships happen between tribes, whether, oh, we're, we're warring right now, or we're allied against this other tribe. It can shift year to year, so it's really good to know why those shifts are happening. But I gotta say, the Battle of Fifth Street happens to be an example of how to make lore not only accessible to new people that might join the event, but also make it so that it can be changed, so it stays fluid, so that as new characters, aka attendees, become part of the community, 
They can write themselves into existing lore and help create Wasteland's next chapter. And we're about to find out exactly where that comes from and how it works. So, once again, please welcome to the show Critical Biggs, The Baron, and The False Prophet. Hey! <laughs> How's it going? Maybe the real Wasteland was the friends we made along the way. Oh, <laughs> That's the real bounty hunt, as we've been saying this year. <laughs> <laughs> a very good point so guys we're going to talk about the battle of fifth street this week and i know that all of you uh along with your tribes were completely involved and i want to know what this thing was all about so baron you're the arbiter of of undertown arbiter i'm magister of undertown yeah, magister thanks, arbiters from uh uh halo what ha- halo yeah. All right. You're the Magister of Undertown. Sorry, I got it wrong. I will pay tribute. That's okay. Why don't you give me the overview of the Battle of History? Okay. So it's a formative lore moment in a lot of tribes' uh, backstories. But the Battle of History was what really formed the Skullbuggers. It's the conflict that we all kind of came into like loose thug allies and came out of a kind of preeminent a ruling force in old San Diego, which we commonly call Coyote Canyon and uh fifth street. It's literally fifth Avenue, but we were literally trying to go like 10% in each direction. So it wasn't like too direct ownership, <laughs> of, you know, and, you know, at the time there were so many San Diego tribes. We were all trying to like play nice without like, you know, directly stepping each other's stuff. Okay. So the battle of fifth street, the Baron, my my character, uh, was was born for traditional succession. Like there'd been a few generations since our version of the fall, uh, or you know the, the post apocalypse, and my character was the grandson of the previous Baron. The Baron being like the name or title of the leader of this war band, but there were twelve other war bands in this region, <clears throat> and the Battle of Fifth Street was after. I became the Baron, killing my grandfather and taking the title, and led my forces <laughs> against all of our rivals in an attempt to consolidate or die. And uh, it wouldn't have been possible without the inclusion and efforts of other Skullduggers and a few of our key allies that were really kind of like, fo- <laughs> well, allies and rivals that were kind of formed in this storytelling. So this um, was a coup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, w- it was kind of like a... Like gangs in New York, like five points, knock down, drag out. And <laughs> <laughs> one of the only rules is that the Skullbuggers won. But how okay. you interpret that or what that means for you means something different to everybody. Got it. Uh, but yeah, we basically took down most of our foes and ended up, you know, the dogs on top. But uh, it's kind of this like old back in Nam trope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you talk you talk to a skullbugger, there there aren't enough rules set in place that um there's actually an A, B, C the Battle of Fifth Street could have lasted three weeks or thirty-six hours. It all depends on <laughs> your memory of what happened to you when you were there. Okay. But yeah, so I mean that that's the really kind of long and short of it. There, there's some some great skullbugger stories about how we took over um like the NBC building got destroyed. with like household explosives and we had nothing we were holed up in there on the fifth floor or whatever just you know trying to like outlast our enemies eating old boot leather and then we managed to just like bring the building down on top of them and escape the old tunnels and yeah so it's just a a fun just kind of free-for-all 
old storytelling. Okay, so you said it was the 14 tribes of San Diego? That... Uh, I think the number was 12, yeah. Oh, yeah so 12... wait, hang on. That's, that's my next question. Are, did you want like the base building blocks of the Battle of Fifth Street? Or did, does the Baron need to bloviate about what happened? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Wait, yeah. yeah. I wanna, here's the thing. I want to know what happened at this battle and how how the the battle's fallout helped to, to create the lore of Wasteland today. Does that make sense? Like the standing of the tribes, uh, new, yeah. new yeah. Yeah. partnerships yeah. and yeah. enemies. Yeah. So I, I can start off by telling you like a story that I'll bring up at like toasts or the, the Wastelanders that observe the Battle of Fifth Street Remembrance as a holiday. <laughs> if I get inv- invited to these little like secret moments or there have been actual like peripheral campouts. It's like, this is a Battle of Fifth Street Memorial. And I'm oh, like, wow. well, I gotta, I gotta stand and make a toast. Um, so the Skullbuggers were named after a legendary warrior in the wasteland who was called the Skullbugger. He's, you know, like a kind of a Mad Max lone warrior type, but all of our original members, we all met him different ways, and he brought us together, kind of uh, Avengers style. You know, like that guy was a master hunter, this guy, and I was, I had basically inherited a war band, and I was taught to like lead troops. So he brought like a few master assassins in, recruited me, you know, there's an arranged marriage in there somewhere. Okay, so you get the idea. But now the Battle of the Street is instigated by me. I'm going to go in and conquer these other 12 tribes or die trying. And the story I tell is about how the Skullbugger and I got locked in the NBC building. So there was an explosion and we managed to take cover and we, we hid in this building. We got separated from the rest of my men. So the Skullbugger and I managed to barricade the first few floors and the stairwells and, you know, establish some breathing room, but we were beset on all sides. <clears throat> so we're, we're in there for a few days, like I said, eating like, like old boot leather and like dead comrades, just, just trapped. <laughs> but the, the Skullbugger, um, he's got this mysterious past, but his thing, he's like an old, uh, old world combat engineer. So he's like a, a sapper. You know, he, he makes homemade explosives and undermines uh, fortifications and things like that. Comes up with this plan and it takes us like two weeks to find enough materials in this building to make enough homemade explosives. And we just start undermining the foundations of the building. We create an access point and allow the enemies to come in. And the Baron, being raised for succession or whatever, I know the history of San Diego. So okay. I, re- I know that the, beneath this building, there are, there are tunnels from the 1800s. So we literally like let the first few floors fill up with enemies we drop down the elevator shafts and blow the bombs, <laughs> killing everyone in the building. And we escape through these, these tunnels to the shore. And it's still days later that we managed to come back and regroup with our troops. And they'd all like, you know, achieve these goals. And, you know, sorry, not, not a very narrative storytelling, kind of, kind of by the numbers. <laughs> but uh, this, is, it, this it is, is an oral yeah. history, as it were. It's an oral history, yeah. <laughs> so it's just an example of a story from the Battle of Fifth Street. Yeah. That's awesome. What other tribes were there? Were there any ones that we know from Wasteland? The False Prophet was there. Well, so you see the way I remember the Battle of Fifth Street going is <laughs> there's, uh, you know, the Baron before he became Magister of Undertown and the mighty Skullduggar himself, both of them shaking in their boots and crying, screaming, <laughs> who will help us from the roof of the NBC building? And I just happened to be walking by and I was like, 
What's up? I'll I'll help you out for some guns. I have guns. Please help me. <laughs> I will help you, Baron. And we've what? been best friends ever since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the, the Yo, Skullduggar so and the, the Baron were saved by the False Prophet? Yes, yes, yes. Well, <laughs> okay, so that's only half truth, right? <laughs> um, the way it really goes back, if if uh, well, first you need to ask yourself, how did the false prophet get down to San Diego? There's no goddamn reason. The false prophets in you know like you know northern Los Angeles County territories, um, you know up in the high desert there, close to where the yearly congregation happens. Uh-huh. So false prophet uh, based in the remote desert territories north of the old Los Angeles County uh, had heard rumors of the Baron and the Skulldugger uh, going up against the 12 tribes. And uh, the false prophet knew that that would be a really good ally to handle. And he knew that the both of them could do this, but uh, they wouldn't be able to get out of it. So um, using my magical uh, false prophet, demigod magic, whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> as the Baron and the Skulldugger escaped the tunnels and came out onto the shore, there was the false prophet waiting with a new cache of weapons and goods to keep them going. And in exchange, we formed an alliance and uh, we're best friends. Yeah, that was it. He's like, be my best friend. And I was like, you're literally my best friend now. Thank you. Awesome. Now, how do the, um, how do the Rust Devils come into play here? Oh, well, the Rust Devils, uh, true to form, have always been rather mercenary about the whole, the whole concept, the whole idea uh, we we discuss this as a tribe, and uh, each each one of us has um, kind of come up with our own story or just kind of loose stories because we have been less of a big organization, big tribe, and more just an alliance of individuals that are good at bounty hunting. And the Rust Devils and Skullduggers also have not always been necessarily allies. Uh, we've always respected each other's styles, that's for sure. Uh, but... Um, yeah, uh, and, you know, who knows who approached who about stuff, but the Rust Devils have always just been, like, got enough caps. <laughs> and uh, so uh, in in our lore, or at least how we've always said it, um, the Rust Devils and Skulldoggers never actually became allies until uh, we both faced Schizo and his legions. Uh-huh. And the story of Schizo's regret comes from that, uh, but that's, that's a story for another <laughs> okay. time. Uh, but so for the battle of fifth street, we don't necessarily have one big rust devil story, but we each kind of have our own. And I know critical bigs, he was there doing his bounty hunting thing. He was paid, you know, a pile of caps to, to kill people, um, which is his specialty. But what, uh, what I've always said is that is where the man with the red right hand was born. That's where Critical uh-huh. Biggs first saw the man with the red right hand. And uh, in fact, on when I was creating that lore, I, I specifically mentioned that I haven't seen him since the Battle of Fifth Street. Uh, you know, fuck, I killed that guy. I killed him and I removed his heart uh, and I buried it somewhere out in the middle of the desert. And so, yeah, during the Battle of Fifth Street, I had fought the man with the red right hand which must have looked really funny to everyone else. Uh, for those that don't know, I am also the man with the red right hand, so I was just like punching myself, very like Fight Club but style. It's, a, it's, a, it's okay, <laughs> and, though, because, uh, right, because, because the man with the red right hand is not Critical Biggs. 
but it's actually two different characters, right? <laughs> no, it's a, <laughs> man with red right hand is critical bigs. He's just uh, <gasps> and, the, and the and the whole crowd gasps. <laughs> That's also it was just really also a story that, for another time. <laughs> a story for another time. It was just my excuse to wear cult robes and pour blood on people, which is exactly uh, what Attack Squad was nice. in the market for at the time. And hilariously yes. <laughs> what i'm wearing now and for everyone listening uh this is the baron and i smell like nutmeg and hints of autumn <laughs> <laughs> can confirm fantastic so, um yeah the uh for so for critical big's part uh cuz of critical big's just uh, also to establish my lore has always just been a whatever rumors you've heard about me are true so I let other people make up my lore. You know, they're like, oh, I heard you did this. I'm like, sure. Yeah, okay. Well, why not? You know, or I might put my own spin on it, uh, which just makes my life easier uh, for trying to think up my own shit. But uh, so that's really it, fun. Yeah. Yes. The rumors are true. Yeah. 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 Whatever it is. Sure. Uh, if it's violent, <laughs> especially. Yes. And so, yeah, Battle Fifth Street to me was just a swirl of chaos uh, just murdering pretty much everyone in my path and then running to the man with the right hand, took out his heart. And then afterwards, yeah, I buried it in the middle of the desert. Um, and when the man with the right right hand returned, I, I had to go see it myself. And so I went and I dug it up and I pulled the heart out and I put it in a box and I brought that box to the false prophet and I offered it to him to see what he could do about this. And I literally gifted... Tim, uh, human heart wrapped in barbed wire and fur and shit like that in a box uh, to go. Uh, with the red right hand is currently on display within the tabernacle. See it at Wastelands Friday and Saturday nights. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So it sounds like there's a lot going on at the Battle of Fifth Street. And you all have a, kind of a different perspective on all the things that are happening. So you know, what's going on? Was the battle just this involved? Was there so much going on that you, it can't be told in a single story? Or are all of these stories all true in their own way? What's going on here? Yeah, Mike, the answer is yes. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's been so long now when we when we look back on like the first few years of Wasteland that we all did together and the kind of like lore aspect was brand new and such that um, the Skullduggers, we came up with the Battle of Fifth Street as um, an open source kind of collaborative storytelling tool. Okay. So if new people were hearing our crazy stories and like, well, how do I get vetted or, or how are my original stories going to be considered true by other people in the future? We created this back in the day so that when you walk into the mushroom cloud lounge and they're like, so there I was at the battle of history, <laughs> we will literally just shut up and let you tell your story about how you were there involved in this great battle with us. I love it. And now you and your tribe, you're like officially in our lore or we're all in our lore together. That's great. Is that why, um, like when you tell the story, those 12 tribes are kind of unnamed so that anyone can be like, we were one of the 12 or, or, and you didn't really mention any of your um, allies in the battle. Is that so that anyone can be like allied retrospectively? Some of them, I think I, I left out on purpose because they're, they're fun and they're their stories to tell. Yeah. But that's a, such a great idea. I wish my idea was I left them unnamed so that other people could make themselves those <laughs> tribes. <laughs> so we're going to say, that's exactly what I did. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Good work. I'm, I'm literally so smart that that's what I did. Um, 
No, but but it sounds like the point is there. Like you you you're leaving the details for anyone else to make up along the way. Yeah. And we have other fantastic way centers that have used this as tools. And I'm just going to like plug them or shamelessly use their stories. Uh-huh. Um, Darren Hendricks. Many people know him as Scald, the bard of the wasteland. Yeah. He wrote a song called The Bellow of the Baron. And he plays it acoustic as he wanders around singing his wasteland songs. Awesome. And it's about how I saved his life the Battle of Fifth Street because he may have been the last guitar player left alive. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a great battle. The whole song is a battle of history story, as an example. Uh, Attack has a song. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the Behind the Mask is not just a song about my best friend, the Baron. <laughs> um, it, it's also about the Battle of Fifth Street. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah, if I had my way, I'd burn it to the ground. Because um, <laughs> I know that like, as I'm walking up and down Main Street in Wasteland, you know, over the years, uh, there'll be times when I just hear like, and going back to the Battle of Fifth Street, I allied with blah, blah, blah. And you just kind of hear this lore popping up. And for me, the Battle of Fifth Street, I never knew the details. So I love that there kind of there are and there are not true things that happened at this battle that have led to where we are now somehow. Not everyone had to be an ally of the Skullduggers. As we tell these stories, it's a very Skullduggers-centric concept. Um, <clears throat> but we've got stories like many of the Dukes of the Nuke were involved in this conflict, opposed to us. But just because we won doesn't mean it was a giant L for the Dukes. Like, <laughs> they sold so many guns to our enemies that they came out a net profit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was that, gonna say, that uh, at the like end the of the Dukes. day... I don't have a Skullduggers After Dark calendar on my wall. <laughs> I mean, it would arguably be a better calendar in every way, but... <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, so we need shit. to do a Skullduggers calendar. And I was thinking about doing yeah. an album. I was thinking maybe for 2023, we would sell at the event or for donations or something, a very Skullduggers Christmas. Ooh, hello. <laughs> yes. Um, oh I would like to issue the challenge that you follow through on this. Yeah, you know, Baron. there's now been discussion. Yeah, there's been talk about a Skullgiller calendar or, or an Undertown calendar. Well, also, look at this. Yeah. I was about to say Undertown. We have yeah. access to here, Baron, to record us very Skullgiller Christmas. <laughs> I, I, I am all down for a uh, calendar, by the way. <laughs> if you want to do an Undertown yeah, calendar. Should. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah I want Undertown. an Undertown, Undertown calendar. Yeah. So there's. Um, there was a Skullgiller camp out years ago that was billed as a. Battle of Fifth Street Memorial camp out. Uh-huh. And Boss Cap graced us with his pre- presence. Um, he was still with the LCC back then. And he told he stood up, made a toast, and told a tale about his involvement on behalf of the LCC during the Battle of Fifth Street. Now, they didn't take up arms in any way. They stood on a hill and, like, watched. Or a rooftop. <laughs> and probably took, probably took bets, right? They took bets. And they said... They opened the book? Yeah, so the, everyone bet against the Skullduggers. And that was <laughs> the biggest loss in LCC history. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so there's, there's so many That's different awesome. ways to include your tribe in the Battle of Fifth Street. And there are almost no rules. Um, I mean, obviously, the lore's developed so far. The Skullduggers won the fight. But it's, it doesn't, yeah. your story does not have to be about the Skullduggers winning. Literally, there's a, a million different ways you can involve yourself in the collective memory of the Battle of History. Gotcha. Yeah, that's so cool. And all right, so kind of taking things all the way back, um, the basis of Wasteland is that it's not a LARP, but over time, it's be also become not not a LARP. 
right? Yeah. I've heard that said a few yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, exactly. um, you know, while a lot of us, like for me, I spend maybe one or 2% of the event in character, right? Most of the time I'm uh, Mike Darling, just call me makeshift and I'm just having a good time watching my friends play music, going around and just, you know, shooting pretty videos of everybody. And that's my event. And then there are other people that spend the entire time in character, but I would say a majority of Wastelanders, they'll jump into a quick, like, improv scene in character and then right after right back out of it we're just hanging out having a good time and so unlike most more i don't even know if it's considered professional but the like legitimate larps they'll set up rules about their lore and their storyline and how the characters interact and like if this happens you're dead you're out that kind of thing i don't know a whole lot about it but i do know that wasteland is a lot less formal when it comes to our role playing <laughs> I believe it's it's more like a in my experience more like a historical reenactment than a LARP. That makes sense. In that it's a time that's never happened and it's in the future, but where like your persona, if you're in character, does is you're not necessarily restricted. You're just as long as everybody in the room looks like they're playing the part. You can be talking about whatever you want, <laughs> and it doesn't break immersion for other people. So nobody actually counts right. hit points yeah. or like if you got shot. Yeah. And um, I guess tell me like, all right, we all, we've kind of gone over on the show where um, the role playing at Wasteland happened. It kind of started in, in these like early, just kind of for fun shenanigans of like stealing each other's stuff, which has changed over the years because stealing things is a little bit too chaotic now. So we kind of avoid that unless it's pre-planned. Um, but yeah, talk to me about like how role play at Wasteland Works and like how tribe leaders will kind of set up these things ahead of time. I think we could all just go hard. Oh, you bigs, you got something first? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, saw, sure. I saw the both of you uh, take a breath at the same time. I'm just, yeah. I'm backing yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> who should go? Uh, I was just going to mention that, uh, yeah, when, um, when the Rust Devils first came to Wasteland, we noticed there wasn't really uh, much of any kind of role playing. Uh, but once we met, people like the Baron, I could tell, you know, he has this big personality and has this whole lore thing. And we had started writing up our own lore because we're all super Dungeons and Dragons nerds and all that. And mechanically, if you're talking mechanics of some kind of role play stuff, um, a lot of people gave us a really hard time when we brought in the bounty hunting because it introduced the rock, paper, scissors as a conflict resolution source, a, a RNG, a random number generation, effectively, yeah. for uh, conflict resolution. And so people were like, oh, no, this is becoming a LARP. And we were like, oh, shit, we didn't realize that we were giving a mechanic to this stuff. But I do think people have used it well uh, for for that. So actually, I just I realized I'm not really answering your question very no, well. No, but, but you're, it was yeah, uh, it's something, good, yeah. Yeah, but you're not wrong about that because... You know, uh, in an actual LARP, you might do a, a actual like foam sword fight and to figure out who wins, or, or yeah, the the random number generator find out like who's gonna win based on a dice roll, that kind of thing. Um, and it's really fun because yeah, you guys introduced rock paper scissors, and I've seen all sorts of different things. Uh, uh, I've seen people play a table game to find out who would win this battle to the death. Yep. I've seen people um, do a beer chugging contest to figure out who would win this battle to the death. So it's really interesting. Everyone kind of gets to make their own rules as the one being hunted. Here's what you need to do to defeat me. And I think that's pretty yeah, fun. Yeah, I made folks dig up a grave. Oh, that was the best. Really? Yeah, that was yeah. the best. 
And the Baron and I squared off doing uh, rock, paper, scissors, fighting for uh, the mayorship of Wasteland. And that video just popped up on my memories. And that was painful. It's such a good video. I'm glad it still exists because it's just the best video I've ever been involved in in my whole life. <laughs> we, we tied three times in a row. Uh, throwing the exact same thing three times, and then and then the Baron won, and I'm not bitter about <laughs> that at all. Who at don't all. know? Yeah, I've actually been the mayor of Wasteland, and I'm the only mayor to win by combat. <laughs> 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 There's a lot of that's true. What's up with all this election stuff? Yeah, elections. <laughs> There's um okay, so like the kind of LARPy elements at Wasteland. I think because it's such a collaborative thing. That's big a big theme for a lot of us that have been doing this together for years. We don't want to like tell people no when they've got a good idea. But of course, we've got a lot of really established stuff and relationships and, and roles. And so I think this has led to the creation of slightly more organized role play or, or we will build spaces. The really basic example is like the Skullers have a goddamn throne room in our, in our camp. So if you want to come right. deal with like mm-hmm. the con of the Skullers or Magister of Undertown or whatever and, and do that like – political intrigue or recruit forces kind of a game were always available as, as long as someone's in one of the thrones. But more specifically, Undertown now has a thieves guild. So if you're into that stealing people's stuff game, it's not a free for all. There are specific targets and there's like an initiation process and it's got that air of secrecy and subterfuge, but it's a real viable organization and you can come join and like earn ranks and stuff. Um, Undertone also has the Ecclesiarchy of the Crimson King, which comes with some of its own membership benefits, if you're into the uh-huh. the cultist kind of game. Right. And I know that um, one of the things that I love that the Skullduggers uh, came to the forefront on was the idea of exclusive or inclusive exclusivity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, Where, yeah, you guys had your VIP room um, that was incredibly exclusive, but anybody could earn the right to get there. Yeah, we literally made it. Yeah, we made it the illusion of exclusivity. <laughs> we made it look like yeah. you had to be on the list. But the invention of the Coyote Canyon dollar, or the Baron box, if people call them that, um, <laughs> right, was literally to be a tool you could easily earn by like telling a joke or doing a dance or, or going on a mission or, or whatever your your thing was, and you would use that as a bribe for the doorman. And now you were, you had access to the VIP lounge, so nobody was actually excluded. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So. Um, that takes me to, you know, a lot of us that have been doing this for a long time, uh, the Dukes of the Nuke, all of Undertown. At this point, we're not only playing for ourselves, but we're also playing for the first years, like the, the people that are new to Wasteland that are just there to experience it. We are the Imagineers of Disney World at this point, and the guests are coming in, and we want to show them a good time, more or less. So how is it that we make sure that new people who want to kind of bring it their first year, who want their character to be powerful in that world, what would be your suggestions as far as like creating new lore that helps to fit into the established stuff? And Biggs, I see your hand. Why don't you jump in on this one? (laughs) I really wanted to jump in on this one. Uh, for those that know me, I am all about the first-year people. I love first-year Wastelanders. I love introducing them to the world, to our community. Critical Biggs, it's my first year at Wasteland, and I'm freaking the fuck out. Welcome home, motherfucker! <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I've tried to do this before, and really this year was the first time that it just... I, oh, oh, God. It just 
mm, it was so perfect. Um, the what I try to do is <clears throat> I try to find a first year wastelander who's really into bounty hunting. Obviously, this is more like focus on the bounty hunting aspect, and we try to set up a thing for them, an, an adventure, a hunt specifically for them. And one of our tribe mates, Clancy, was saying, hey, Biggs, I'd really like to get out there a bit more this year, uh, get more involved with shenanigans. And so can you help me out with that? And I told him, careful what you ask for, but all right. So I started networking, contacting people, and also talking to the rest of the tribe and got everyone involved with getting Clancy out there. Now, Clancy's a longtime wastelander, so that's neither here nor there. Yeah, he's rad. And an alderman of Undertown, might I add. Yes, yes. He's fucking awesome and, and a brother of mine. So um, what I did is I, I, I always try to keep an eye out for a new wastelander who loves bounty hunting. So I'd asked uh, Thresher, another Rust Devil, to keep an eye out. Who's grabbing the most most wanted posters? And he tells me about this guy named Turtle. And uh, Turtle is just super gung-ho. And so I had written up this thing with the main actor as blank and blank is turtle and we put turtle in and i said hey clancy i want you to kind of big brother this guy through this adventure through this bounty hunting thing and they had to translate this eldritch language and figure out all this stuff and the ultimate goal was to kill me you know critical bigs the great thing is critical bigs can't die he just comes back and that's my lore way of saying go ahead and kill me (laughs) and that's why i can still walk around I'm glad your your suicidal ideation gets like you know voiced somehow. Oh yes, yes, it's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) It's like if if Wolverine was just you know more insane. So uh, (laughs) Turtle goes around, and uh, it was uh, ended up being Clancy and um, Fahrenheit and Gemini all teamed up with Turtle to help him out with this adventure, and he had to bring an army of people to come kill critical bigs. And he did, he brought this slew of people, uh, a bunch of new people as well. And they all ended up shooting me and they all, and I, that's again, I'll get more into details on that story another time, but they destroyed me and I fell down dead and turtle became, you know, the man who killed critical bigs and he got a golden hand grenade and gets to sit in my throne at Wasteland and tell his stories. So he has now nice. become like a tier one level bounty hunter with the Rust Devils. And fun way to That's integrate amazing. new people, yeah. 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 And and so by doing that, um, what you did was you took the existing lore of like, you know, Biggs as this power player in Undertown and basically pit this new guy up against him so that he could have that story to tell. And it's a story that was created at Wasteland using those characters. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. And I had sprinkled these things with other tribes. I had, in fact, you had asked about this earlier. Um, uh, arranging these types of shenanigans should always be done ahead of time and thoroughly with lots of detail. Um, I cannot stress that enough. That bugs the <laughs> shit out of me when it's like, oh, we'll just wing it. No, no. <laughs> and but anyway. They should take place in a space designed for it. Yes, yes. So, uh, but I. So, what happened was, you know, Clancy and Gemini and uh, and Mister Fahrenheit had all taken uh, Turtle from camp to camp, 
you know, deciphering these codes and finding skulls and stealing stuff and, and all these things. But throughout that whole time, he got to meet, you know, the Schofield drifters and this tribe and that tribe and uh, learn a bit about that lore. And then it also establishes with a lot of these new people, hey, these are, you know, Critical Bigs is this warlord guy and you can go kill him if you want. So come back next year and maybe you can do it. So win-win. I think what's really cool about like doing the Wasteland tour, especially if you're playing the games that are there, is as you go to each of these tribes, someone in that tribe is usually kind of the lore keeper. A lot of people know the lore, but there's usually one or two people that that do most of the writing on it. And so if you happen to talk to them, you start to get all this backstory and it's all interwoven with different tribes and they'll send you to allies. They'll send you to go like, um, like steal something from an enemy or prank an enemy or something like that or intercept a delivery. And it reminds me so much of playing a game like Fallout where you go to this new place, you find out, you know, they're kind of quirky looking, like these guys are dressed like Elvis impersonators, what's up with that? <laughs> and just the way they interact with the world, now they'll send you on missions and you get to know how these tribes interact. And so there's so much world discovery you can do just by going out and visiting tribes, especially during the day when that's kind of what we're doing is just playing these lore games. You mentioned the that? tour. There was a tour. Yeah, did you guys get out to Hotel Sasswood this year? At Wayside Weekend? I liked Hotel Sasquatch. They're fantastic. I love their whole shtick. And they're the the successors to the, the tour. They do like a bar crawl. It's guided. And you can put your tribe on their map and they'll bring them out there. Just give them a little list of what, you know, what you're about. And they were fantastic. So great. Yeah, you walked in there. They didn't have like, you know, any any rooms for rent as far as I can tell. But it was a whole hotel lobby with the bar mm-hmm. and an entertainment stage. And it, it definitely looked like a hotel with the walls like deteriorating. Yeah. Uh, it was a really, really unique place to go visit. They had like framed artwork and like newspaper clippings from like a halcyon age about the you know, the way the hotel existed in pre- years previous and whatnot. It was great. Yeah, yeah. They head out there and sign up for a tour, guys. Um, without putting anyone on blast, have you guys ever experienced a, a situation where someone showed up to uh, Wasteland and tried to like take over some lore in a way that didn't quite work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, with, okay, so I won't put anybody on blast, uh, but um, Biggs and I had been working for weeks, months, perhaps, on some red right hand stuff, and uh, the lore of it got a lot of people involved in a lot uh-huh. of different stories that were being written by a lot of people, um, which was fun because it really ramped up uh, you know, Biggs's whole character of the red right hand. This is also the year that I got my fucking dreads cut off on stage by the man with the red yeah. right hand while we covered Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds red right hand on stage. <laughs> it was epic. So it was great. Um, but Biggs and I had had some conversations. Again, we're not going to throw anybody under the bus. That's not what we're here to do. But we did have to kind of write up some lore to take it back as our own story. And by ours, I mean mostly Biggs. And uh, uh-huh, had to fair. really kind of redirect that. And I feel like, I don't know, Biggs, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the last big update that we did with the 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 surgery was kind of like mm-hmm. our cherry on the top of this was our lore. This was the story. Um, fuck all of you. This is how it ended because this is what we were going for the whole time, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Dude, and that was all, amazing. Yeah. Oh. This also affected our the three of us together for Undertown's established lore. And I was like... Hey, why the fuck is a knight in my service suddenly 
killing my people because somebody else is writing bad lore. <laughs> this makes, I, I didn't have a single say in this, but yeah, it's, it got it got off the rails. But yeah, we we ended up having a really good opportunity to kind of like change that back. Um, again, cool. Like no one person's fault. Um, but you know, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely one person's fault. But anyhow. Yeah. Well, and I'll admit, I, I have a tendency to try to uh, create things and then just unleash them like a Hydra or a um, Pandora's box into Wasteland to just let people go ham with it. But sometimes, yeah, it starts then conflicting with other people's shit. I'm like, oh, oh, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> hold the phones. Yeah. Let's pull that back a little bit. Um, yeah, it is interesting. I got a letter, uh, 2019, I believe. And, um, it was a super sweet letter. I, I think you and I've talked about it before big shift, but I can't remember. Okay. But I got this letter at the very last day of the event, uh, just waiting for me on my throne. It said to the false prophet of the attack squad. And the entire letter was written in theme as if it came from a gunslinger from Stephen King's dark tower series. And like from nice. that world. And basically in that theme, but about Wasteland, this guy was pretty much like, hey, uh, we're trying to start a tribe of gunslingers, but we're also bad guys. Like, I really don't want to, like, step on your guys' dick about anything. Is this okay? <laughs> Dude, chaos corrupted gunslingers. Okay, yeah, right? Yes. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yes. it, was, it was super rad. I don't think I ever got in touch with them. COVID hit right after that, and it, it really slipped my mind. But I bet if I dug up the letter, I could figure out who oh, it fun. is. And So has, has that happened? Is there a new tribe of gunslingers? I don't know. I, I need to figure out who sent me the letter, it was. what it came from. <laughs> it, again, like I said, it happened right before the pandemic. I don't know if they ever came back. Uh, I'm not sure, but there are a handful of people that wander into our camp and they'll, yeah. they'll find one of us and just be like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, the hail discordia or, you know, something from that, from the series and just like, right. wink, we'll trade caps on something or whatever. So, you know, there are people who get it and, like I said, the the one time these guys wanted to also do a Dark Tower thing, they asked me permission. It was super sweet. Uh, yeah. We tried to jokingly start a fight with the Yellow Eye Tribe. Oh yeah, and they didn't like that at all. <laughs> they were they were walking by with their yellow eyes, and we're standing there with our red eyes. And I was like, "Hey, come here!" And they were like, "Yeah, get fucked!" and walked away. I was like, "Oh, whoa, hey guys!" <laughs> if you are those uh, evil chaos discordian gunslinger guys out there and you hear this the baron has use of you yeah also <laughs> nice Under, undertown has use for that hey survivors jumping in here unfortunately this is around the time that critical bigs's internet connection started getting a little faulty so unfortunately he's not in the rest of the episode but we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be back with the baron and the false prophet to continue the rest of the show stick around Hey, Wastelander, you got a knife? You got a job. Come on down to the Mushroom Cloud Lounge, now hiring minimum wage knife jobs. Has someone wronged you? Fight them with a knife in the Mushroom Cloud Lounge for the entertainment of the High Lords of Main Street. Come on down. Knife fights. Wastelanders, do you have an itch for post-apocalyptic rock and roll? Have you always wondered, does a post-apocalyptic rock band exist? Of course you haven't. But we are here to fill that void, that super niche sound that nobody asked for. We are Attack. We got music videos. We've got merch. 
available. Links on all of that stuff on the website. It's ahtck.com. That's attack.com. Okay, so I've got this thing. Yeah. Now, if you consider yourself a, a lore guy or a mover and shaker in any capacity in the Wasteland community and you're making lore and it's gaining steam, uh, my advice to you is if you've been doing this for a while is um, you'll suddenly find yourself, uh, you, you've created years of scenarios, but then other people show up and make themselves the protagonist of your story. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you find yourself on the cusp of that experience, like, don't take it personally. This, this, this event is about collaborative storytelling, and some people's enthusiasm can kind of, like, hijack what you've been working on for years. And this isn't the same thing as, like, movie rights and whatnot. If you can exercise a little bit of zen, just make new lore. Right. Just, right. So, yeah, I'm all about that. If, if you find yourself really growing at odds with a story that you've been building for years, even, even with others, that suddenly kind of gets away from you, you don't have to yeah. reinvent yourself or tear them down or turn it into a fight. You literally just be like, well, now I'm into bank heists or, or whatever yeah. your new thing is. Right. You know, it's not a big deal. You, yeah. Well, it's kind of like people making fan fiction of your fan fiction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in anything, it's literally the greatest compliment, <laughs> especially if you're trying True. to be collaborative. Just don't take it personal yeah. when somebody gets really enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Wasn't 2021 when uh, the Skulldiggers were trying to, um, uh, I don't want to say like retcon your evil hood, but weren't you trying to um, be not such a bad tribe? I think that's Were a, you trying to not be the bad guys? I feel like that's a misconception. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, so Undertown is, if you will, the Skullduggers being like the cornerstone tribe of Undertown. And for those of you yeah. who've never heard of it somehow, it, we were founded as a siege camp years ago during an event where raiders were attacking the city. We won and then took over a whole district of the city, which is just like the raider, bad guy, evil town stronghold. Not to be confused with the Den. The Den is also a wretched hive of scum and villainy, but they're more like, <laughs> give me your chems, you know, and in Undertown's more like, that's where the mercenaries and like cutthroats live. Yeah. The Den's really just a bunch of deplorables. Yeah. You might get stabbed in the Den. You will get stabbed in Undertown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but no, we, we also, you know, depending on your your cultural views, I guess, or of how Undertown exercises like its business. We, we're not psychopathic, you know, we're not sociopaths. We have like rules and hierarchy and we're, we're all about business and, you know, keeping ourselves. So the good guys, good guy characters, <laughs> right? They're not allowed to operate in Undertown. That's a, that's a lore shtick that's kind of this year got forgotten. Okay. In our founding, like the whole shtick is the bronze can't touch you. The bronze being wasteland slang for like cops or bounty hunters. And even though the rust devils live in Undertown, you can hire them to hunt anyone else. But if your target's hiding in Undertown, we're like bad guy sanctuary. Okay. I don't know if that answers the question. We were definitely literally we're bad we're the bad guys. We're the problem. <laughs> but I guess you're 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 trying to do a new PR campaign to confuse people is what it sounds like. Oh man. Right. Let's nail this down. Tell me your feelings. Well, yeah. So he asked me this 
<laughs> during the wrap-up interview that we did on site as Wasteland was tearing down. Yeah. He's like, I've heard that the Baron and Skullduggers are trying to be good guys. And I was like, you shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> I was wrong. For years, I mean, ever since its conception, Wasteland has been adding new tribes every year, and a lot of them find themselves right in the thick of the lore pretty quickly. Uh, sometimes it takes a couple years for them to warm up, to, to you know make the connections with other tribes that get them involved, but we've, we've added a lot of really amazing tribes that have added so much to the event itself. So I guess what I'm trying to ask here is, if someone's going to come to Wasteland for the first time, they're bringing their tribe, they've done their research, um, they've really established some nice backstory for them, but they want their character to come in powerful, if that makes sense, and not just be kind of on the sidelines watching. But if they want to come in powerful, what's the best way for them to do that? Because there's room for everybody to do what they want. And the fact is, you know, when you when you look at what Wasteland City is, is it's all these tribes coming in from everywhere for this yearly celebration and and marketplace but they're coming from all over the place so there can be a lot of warlords that all kind of get brought in and a lot of people can be powerful so I'm, i guess what i'm saying is how does someone fit into the lore if it's their first time showing up we've had numerous uh wastelanders new or veteran um come to us or come to just you know the baron i've had people walk up to me and ask hey i want to get more involved can you help me out and we've gone all out to help hash out character details and backstories and, 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 and then we put them out into the wasteland and we're like, go forth and create a name for yourself. And they do nothing. So I, I think the key is don't just, don't just share that information and work with veteran wastelanders or other folks that are creating lore. Um, but also get out there and get involved, play the silly games, join the thieves guild, earn your way into the tabernacle um, you know, wh whatever it takes. And then, you know, from there you can, uh, you know, start to kind of create that name for your lore character. Create a space, bring resources. It doesn't have to be everything. You don't actually have to be a king and have that many resources to roll up. Like I'm king of this tiny part of the wasteland, but then you make a cool little camp where you can like display your cool kingly stuff and then have some kind of royal activity and then people will roll in, enjoy your space, share it with you. And like, oh, you guys haven't made, you haven't met King Wenceslas and his cool dildo racing or whatever his bullshit is. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. hard. You just have to provide something. That's true. And um, I've seen a lot of different ways for people to kind of get clout behind their character. Um, obviously, if you bring a tribe and you're the, the de facto leader of the tribe, your tribe brings you clout. Like, you've got, you know, five or ten or twenty people behind you that are all... Um, giving you the the presence of uh, leadership and like royalty or whatever it happens to be um, but also yeah the tribes that bring something that have a great bar or a great entertainment space or bring a stage that people want to hang out at and get entertained um, that automatically kind of ingratiates you to the community and you can do whatever you want uh, and the last point i wanted to make just like we said earlier the this is not a larp so a lot of people spend time in, in their real world selves and as their characters and the real world selves, the relationships that you have interpersonally with people 
fall off into your character's relationships. And so just by getting to know people and, and you know, being a friendly face and bartering and having fun uh, can all add clout to your character because if you're fun to hang out with, your character is fun to interact with. And so you'll become part of the story that way. Does that all make sense? Am I making this up? Yeah, yeah shit. I'm not, a, I'm not a ruthless warlord in real life. I'm a fat guy who bakes like... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> cool. Where else can we go with this? So the Battle of Fifth Street is a piece of lore that anybody can kind of mold to their own. Uh, and what did you... You told me before we started recording, Baron, what, what is the Battle of Fifth Street when it comes down to so it? It's literally a collaborative storytelling tool. The idea that once we realized that our shtick had become popular and newer people were like, yo, how do we, you know, like out of character, out of context, just like we want to be involved in Skullduggar stuff. And we're like, well, what are your ideas? They were 100% incongruent with what we've been doing. We're like, well, were you at the Battle of Fifth Street? And they just like blank stare. And I'm like, just say yes. And then tell us <laughs> whatever happened to you at the Battle of Fifth Street. And then if we're in public and you bring up what happened at the Battle of History, we'll just all agree with you. And yeah. it just became a, a shtick with a lot of people. And it's just an example of collaborative storytelling. So if you want right. to host your tribe's identity or existence as a thing that people can collaborate with instead of like really strict IP, there's no limit to what you can like ingratiate. So on that note, yeah. if we go back and review the Battle of Fifth Street, just real quick as we're trying to wrap this up, the yeah. Baron and the Skulldugger get cut off from the normal forces. They get trapped in the CBS building. The False Prophet is awaiting the exit with a cash to save their ass and thus begin a mighty friendship. So the real, the real question is, to kind of wrap this up, is Makeshift, what were you doing at the Battle of Fifth Street? I have no idea. I think... <laughs> I know the Dukes were there. I don't have a story to go. I think I was on another mission. And it's kind of funny because um, I'm writing a Duke story for Legends of Wasteland City. And um, it, I started writing the main character as like a younger makeshift. And then I realized like it wasn't going to work. So I just gave him a different name. Uh, he'll be Mutt, who is not an actual Duke. I love it. He's just... What? I love it. You love it. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was he was like a stand-in for makeshift and he kind of still is, but in order to do that, I didn't write makeshift into any of the stories. So he's just off on another mission. And I actually figured out in the newer chapter I'm going to write, um he's he's going to finally make his appearance. Um but yeah, I think makeshift does like random missions on his own with a small band of of dukes and uh he missed this one <laughs> man okay so so while yeah, so, so the, the dukes have all their forces centered on the battle of fifth street of of song fame and legend and lore what the fuck was makeshift doing getting groceries probably like, what that you're probably not wrong and here's the thing <laughs> that actually fits really nicely into Duke's lore that uh, makeshift wasn't there for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so in summation, the Battle of Fifth Street isn't, or it, it started as a Skullbucker story, but it's a it's a wasteland story, and you're all welcome to use it. So yeah, it is. It's whatever whatever you want it to be in a way. Yeah, and it's interesting because because yeah, we have, we've got the bones. It's the Skullduggers as the core taking on the twelve other tribes, but. Anyone can be involved or have been witness or been taking bets or been an ally or an enemy. 
uh, and you can kind of fit yourself into that and just make it work. Absolutely. And I want to and highlight something. What's really great. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Please, please, yeah. please. I was just going to say, the Battle of History, I've been hearing this thing for years. You guys brought that back all the way to, what, 2012? Yeah, 2013 was the first time we mentioned it at Wasteland. Okay. Oh, man, that's like season yes. two. <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> and so I actually hear that phrase being yelled and, and spoken about at Wasteland as this epic thing, and it, it just continually comes into play. I think that's pretty cool. So if you recall, which I know that you recall Makeshift, the siege of Wasteland City by the founding Undertown, uh, due to logistic errors, IRL, for some reason, the Dukes of the Nuke, who are part of the defense of Wasteland City, and in real life, we're all really great friends, but we've been rivals and enemies right. forever at this point. Yeah. Um, there just wasn't <laughs> enough camping space for the actual Dukes of the Nuke to live in the Dukes of the Nuke camp defending the city. So uh, we just made space in Undertown for you and a few of your buddies, and you were were yep. you guys collaborators, defectors? I mean, how did? They- <laughs> uh, yeah, we pretty much defected, and uh, I think that um, there's a part of me that is Skulldugger. Yeah, I think Undertown won the siege of Wasteland City because <laughs> of makeshift's <laughs> defection. <laughs> yeah, good thing we had inside it. men and defectors. Otherwise, Undertown wouldn't be a ward of the city. I feel like it's so going to come out. It's it's going to surface one of these days. There's this story of the Baron and the Skulldugger hunkering down for days inside the CBS building, eating old boot leather, leather and other comrades that had fallen. Uh, and that's that's where they met Makeshift, hiding in a broom closet. <laughs> An old world cameraman still living in the NBC building or whatever. Still has his camera. Right. <laughs> Wait, that works. Yeah, and you guys had to escape, and who knows the NBC building better than the NBC cameraman who's been hiding out and also eating his dead comrades. <laughs> yep, and then he was like, hey, uh, the Baron and Skulldugger, should we do an interview? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, I remember I was there when, when the Baron and the Skulldugger came running out of those underground caverns, and I was waiting with the cash. Uh, they had a cameraman with them. It's canon. It's canon. Makeshift was with the Baron and the Skullbugger in the NBC building during the Battle of Fifth Street. And then he hit his head, which is why he didn't remember it. It was a shame. But uh, yeah, this all this all starts to ring a bell, fellas. I, I'm pretty sure that's all 100% true. <laughs> there goes Makeshift running with the Baron and the Skullbugger. Some say he just kept on running once they escaped. Bacchus Road remembers Makeshift. <laughs> you know what would be really fun, guys? So I'm doing this uh, Legends of Wasteland City. Yeah, the uh, radio yeah. show dash narratives. Um, I want. I think it would be really fun to do a version of the Battle of Fifth Street just for the show. Let's do it. <laughs> Baronial <Right>? heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Baronial heavy breathing over there. You've got your homework. We need a script. We need a script. Yep, that sounds. Yeah. Yeah. We can get on that. Okay. You know, what? we we could do it in a uh, in a group. Um, like Google Doc, and we'll all just be writing at the same yep. time and see what happens. Yeah, that's that's the next evolution of the Battle of Fifth Street, a group Google Doc audio <laughs> drama. <laughs> you guys are the best. All right, cool, guys. Well, um, this has been a lot of fun, kind of diving into the Battle of Fifth Street and finding out a little bit more about how Wasteland lore is created and, and how it's um, fostered over years. 
And uh, I just want to say to all you guys listening, you know, if you've if you've been to Wasteland and participate in the lore, keep going because I have so much fun with it. And if you're a, a new or future attendee uh, and you want to play with us, we're always looking for <laughs> for new people to play yeah. with. That's basically what it is. <laughs> Absolutely, <right>? yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you're a bad guy, I have use of you in Undertown. Welcome home. And that's the thing. You can you can pretty much go to any established tribe in Wasteland City and beyond. Uh, and just chat people up and be like, how do I get more involved? And, and you know, do you need an ally or an enemy? <laughs> and and most of the time, yeah, we do. Sure do. I was going to say, attack squad will take you in if you show up early and help us set up camp. That's, that's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, any last notes, guys? Hey, Patreon. Patreon.com. Makeshift, do you, oh. do you have a Patreon? Because people should be just throwing money at you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, sh- I sure do. Yeah, it's patreon.com back, uh, slash the apocalypse post. And uh, yeah, it helps fund this show and, and a lot more. Uh, please I, donate. Uh, the pre- Baron I, approves. I am a Patreon. I pre- I, oh, yeah. Attack is a Patreon. Hey, i just I just curious. Um, does Patreon tell you how long people have been patrons of you? Like, I don't know. Like, is, is somebody yes. been there for real long? Like, maybe me? Uh, yeah, you, you are one of my oldest members. Yes profit <laughs> you've been there i mean i've had that patreon going what two or three years and i'm pretty sure you were like in the first handful yeah as soon as i saw you posted you're, a few years ago it's like yeah i'll throw money at this guy he's fucking real good looking you're you're a good man and i love I mean, you i also love your content too. <laughs> thanks bud thank you everyone for joining me today and uh thank you all for listening if you enjoyed today's episode please share it with your friends if you hated it, share it with your enemies with a meal made from old boot leather and fallen comrades. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time, survivors. Stay alive. Ten days and ten, ten days and-